Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, crew, because, well, 2020, it's Halloween and a full moon on October 31st this year. So, Pure Dog Talk brings you the After Dark Virtual Costume Contest for your dog. The contest is open to everyone. There are rules in the post. The deadline is midnight, October 31st. Winners of the costume contest categories will be announced on November 1st, otherwise known as the Day of the Dead. Amazing, right? Celebrity judges, great prizes. Hope to see you all there. Because, after all, we have to celebrate the lunacy of 2020. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I'm your host, Laura Reeves, and we're here in October. It's back to school month at Pure Dog Talk, and we're going to touch on 10 different areas that are common questions from our listeners, okay? Many of these are topics that have been addressed either in passing or at some level, but we're going to drill down on some of them to the nitty-gritty details, all right? So one of our earliest episodes, it's available in the archives on puredogtalk.com, episode number four, How to Master the Dog Show Ring, covered a lot of these topics and a variety of other things. If you haven't, for sure, take a listen to that episode because there's going to be more on a lot of these areas, kind of foundational pieces, but we're going to pick up on a few of them. So tip number one. Bitches in season. This is always a tricky topic. Everybody's got to struggle with it. Whether you are showing the bitch in season in question or whether you are showing an intact male who is going to be distracted by the bitch in season, you have different concerns. So if you have a male dog and there is a bitch in season, or in some cases at some dog shows, many bitches in season, There are some tools that you can use that will help your male dog not be able to pick up as much of the scent of the bitch in season. Vix is one that you can put just underneath the dog's nose. It can irritate the very sensitive nose there, so don't get too carried away with that. Another one that I like that is less irritating to the dog is vanilla. Both of these will help sort of block the odor of bitches in season. Okay, so that's a little easy trick. I would always keep a bottle of each Vicks and vanilla in my tack box, depending on the situation. So there's a quick and easy one. If you are the handler or owner of the bitch in season in question, you've got another sort of consideration, right? So some people have used what they call 
bitches, britches, or little underwear pants to keep on the fitch. Whatever you need to do to keep your girl tidy and clean. It just depends entirely on the dog. I have seen people use solutions for this that I do not recommend. I am not even going to discuss them because I do not recommend them. My suggestion is have a towel, a nice towel that you take with you to the ringside that you can use to gently wipe away any discharge before you go in the ring. Keep in mind, it's a dog show. They're dogs. It happens. Every single judge has seen a bitch in season. It is a courtesy to the judge that when you set your dog up for the exam, you let them know that she's in season. In many cases, this is clearly obvious. In some cases, it is not. So that the judge can avoid getting a handful of bitch in season. Also, if you are the owner handler of the bitch in question, a courtesy check. Just be nice. Like you don't have to stand your bitchin' season right next to the entrance to the ring. You don't have to stand your bitchin' season right next to the side of the ring where there's dogs in there that are going to be distracted. Be aware. Be courteous. There's no need for you to have your bitchin' season in the middle of everything. Step back. Find a corner. It is completely allowable to show the bitchin' season in the confirmation ring, but have some common courtesy about it. All right? Okay, tip number two distractions. Everybody wants to say that another handler created an intentional distraction. And I'd like for us to just kind of step back and think about that for a minute. Most times that another handler has distracted your dog, whether it was by throwing bait or squeaking their toy or running up behind your dog or whatever it might be, most of the time, contrary to popular opinion, most of the time it was Somebody just concentrating so hard on what they're doing, they were not paying attention to other handlers and exhibitors in the ring. So one of the advantages, if you will, of dog shows during COVID is that we have to be six feet apart in the ring. This is a blessing. This is a definite blessing because it makes us all pay attention to our spacing in a much more visceral way than we have been accustomed to. So that, chalk it up to it's a good thing. Use your bait and your squeaky toy judiciously. We cover this again, this is in episode four, but don't squeak the hell out of your squeaky toy and don't be chucking bait in front of other people's dogs. Pay attention to what you're doing, just like a lot of our other rights. You do you right up until it starts to hurt somebody else. So pay attention to that. Meanwhile, if you have a dog in the ring and it's distracted by something, remember that we are supposed to be teaching our dogs, watch me. And watch me covers a multitude of sins in the ring. And if you have built that strong watch me command, it doesn't matter how much flying state goes by or even how many bitches in season. If you've really built that and trained that watch me, you will be able to have control of your dog and their attention in the most pressing of situations. And this is why I spend so much time talking about training a good, solid watch me. Watch me, of course, eye contact, 
feed the dog, eye contact, feed the dog, right? This is how we train a watch me from a baby puppy. And then you have a way to get your dog's attention when you need it, when there's lots of distractions. Watch me is always going to be my favorite. Tip number three, spacing in the ring. Again, we touched on this in episode four. And as I mentioned, COVID has made it so that if we're even going to get a dog show, we're going to have to be six feet apart. So that helps. Normal times, I always encourage people to have three feet between their dogs, particularly when they're moving. These days, six feet, it's much better. The important thing to think about when you're making sure you have enough room between the dogs in the ring, not only are we talking safety in these days, but it's also about giving the judge the opportunity to see your dog looking its best and to see the other dog looking its best. And we're going to talk later on in the conversation about sportsmanship, but this is part of it. You need to make your dog look its best while not distracting attention from someone else's dog. That's not good sportsmanship. That is not our goal. Making someone else look bad does not make your dog look better. From the perspective of the handler, so the judge, when we have enough room, the judge can see the dogs. From your perspective as the handler, this gives you the little bubble that you need to work your dog to present your dog in the best light, lets you get out in front of it and free stack if that's something that you want to do, lets you do some figure eights if the judge isn't looking and you need to kind of bring your dog's focus back to you, all kinds of things that you can work with if you've created and maintained this little space bubble around yourself. Like I said, COVID times, we don't have to worry about this as much. In other times, if there's someone in the ring who's just not paying attention, and you're trying to help create this space bubble, I will frequently, when the judge is not looking, turn my dog the opposite way so that I have turned my back to the exhibitor behind me so that I am physically body blocking that exhibitor from my dog. And I will use that space and use that backing up technique to give my dog the room it needs such that when it's time to turn around and stack the dog on the line, I've built up an extra foot or two worth of room for my dog to be able to stand out and shine. Okay, tip number four, clean dogs. I'm telling you guys, <laughs> the fact that judges are still coming to me and saying there's dirty dogs in their ring makes my head explode. Now, I know it could not possibly, possibly be my listeners that are coming in the ring with dirty dogs. Never happen. Episode four talks about this. You might also revisit episodes 73 and 107. There's going to be links to all of these things in the show notes, by the way. If you have questions, if you want a refresher course on how to get your dog clean to the skin, we've got those available. But my point is pay attention to clean ears, clean teeth, short trimmed toenails. They don't have to be bloody nubs. 
but they shouldn't be touching the floor either. And since I know for a fact that all of my regular listeners would never, ever make this mistake, make sure that you share this information with friends, other people in the ring, other people in your breed who might be not having this information, and you can provide them a great resource to help them. I think that that is a good sportsmanlike thing to do, and it's very important to do it in a very polite and sportsmanlike way. You can't very well go to another exhibitor and say, your dog is filthy. <laughs> you need to do it nicely, okay? Also make sure you're dressed appropriately. We'll kind of cover this in this topic, in this area. Women, if you are wearing a skirt, be sure that it covers up all the parts it needs to cover up. If you're wearing a top that is short-sleeved or has a plunging neckline or all of those things, let's just be courteous and aware of the fact that this is still a pretty conservative, and by conservative, I mean modest sport, and that we should be attempting to be aware of that. There's no need to be dowdy women but let's make sure that everything is properly contained and covered, shall we? Okay. Multiple entries. This is one we haven't really covered before, and I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to really address this because I see an awful lot of this. In many low-entry breeds, rare breeds, toy breeds, really specialist breeds like Dobermans or Boxers or Rottweilers or things like that, it's very common to see one owner or one handler come with anywhere from four to eight dogs. Handlers generally have assistance. They've got a system for getting the dog smoothly and easily into the ring. So here's your tip of the day. Here are some of the methods that they use to succeed. Plan ahead. Find a friend junior handlers, friends in other breeds, friends or competitors in your own breed, whatever it is, plan for the ring ahead of time, not as you're all rushing to the ring with two dogs in each hand. And yes, trust me, I've done this. Owner handlers have a decided advantage in this area by having only their own animals and ring time to worry about. Handlers are frequently running from another ring where they've got multiple entries. So take that opportunity to be organized, to be prepared, and get crates to ringside, get leashes on top of the crates, put armbands with the leashes, or if you're handling all of the dogs in different classes, put them in order on your own arm. The less fiddling that you have to do, the better off you're going to be. Once you've shown the dog in its class, the armband comes off, it goes with the dog. Armband always stays with the dog. So if you've handed the six to nine puppy dog to your girlfriend, she is going to hold the six to nine puppy dog and its armband at ringside, not six miles away, at ringside. And she's going to stay there and you're going to show the open dog. You come out of the open dog class or you've won the open dog class and your girlfriend has to bring the six to nine puppy dog back in for winner's dog, you've got all your armbands, okay? With the dog, so there's no juggling and shuffling. Don't enter six dogs and try and do it all yourself, okay? 
Chihuahuas flying everywhere, crates stacked up above eye level. You get a frustrated judge. You get an exasperated ring steward. You're frantic. None of this is a recipe for success. Keep in mind, that judge has been scheduled for two minutes a dog. If they're lucky, (laughs) I've been scheduled for less. Every second you waste juggling dogs and scrabbling around looking for a leash or which armband goes with this dog, whatever, that's time that the judge isn't going to be spending evaluating your entry. This is also, if you are not organized, this is where you can lose points. You can get the wrong armband on the wrong dog and one dog wins and it's a major, but you have the other dog's armband on your arm. Be organized, be prepared, be smooth, don't waste the judge's time, and give your dog the best chance for success. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products, while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, They're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. Next one. Showing in the group. It's a big question. I get this a lot. I don't hear this line as often since we have added or handled groups, but I still hear it often enough to make my eyebrows go up. Owner handlers will tell me why should I waste my whole day waiting around for the groups when I'm just going to lose. Okay. I wish I could say I was kidding, but yes, I hear that a lot. And there's a whole lot to break down in that short little statement. Wasted days. Why should I waste my whole day? Well, don't waste your time. Spend it wisely. Watch professional handlers showing breeds like yours. Watch successful owner handlers showing other breeds. 
Learn by watching. Look up from your phone long enough to actually see what's happening in the ring. Watch a talented professional or amateur handler trimming their dog. Ask a respected professional to evaluate your dog, your trim, your handling. Watch a judge go through an entire ring of different breeds. What stands out? Learn to see, not just look. Watch where the judge puts their hands on the dogs. Use your smartphone for something useful and pull up the breed standards of the breeds being judged. Follow along, read the standard, and look at what the judge is doing. Use that time wisely, and then it becomes not a wasted day. It becomes an educational opportunity. Okay, then there's the negative attitude. One absolutely guaranteed way not to win is not to show up. The second easiest way not to win is to have that negative attitude. Dog shows are a stage. You are presenting your dog. When was the last time you saw, I don't know, Tom Cruise or Pink up on stage lacking confidence? Eh? They rise to the top because of that confidence. They don't get confidence because they succeed. They succeed because they are confident. What you give off is what you get back. Third point on this topic, missed opportunities. What other chance are judges, other exhibitors, and maybe someday again, spectators, going to have to see your breed? Judges pay attention. They sit outside the ring and watch and chat amongst themselves. This is a fact. You are not just showing to that judge judging the group. You're showing to tomorrow's breed judge. You're showing to the group judge on the day after that. So just picking up your toys and going home after you win the breed is not only discourteous to the judge who gave you the breed win, it is missed opportunities on many levels. Side note, in Canada, you have to show in the group. Okay, next tip, win photos. Now, we've had a couple episodes on this. Episode 121 and episode 30 feature a lot of good information on this particular topic, but I think Win photos are an area that a lot of folks that are new to the ring or it's their first point or what have you, they don't really know what's the etiquette around that. So if you win a competitive best of breed, if you win a major, there are times that you should get official win photos, not just pet clicks with your ribbons outside the rig. They document the fact that you won, for example, if somebody makes a mistake and the points are awarded to a different dog, you have proof because you have your armband and your judge and your dog all in the same picture. And you can just send that to the American Kennel Club and they say, oh, look, you did win. Here's your points instead of having them accidentally given to someone else. So that's one thing. A placement in a group 
an owner-handler group or a regular group are times that you should be getting a win photo, a regulation official win photo. So train your dog for the photo. Many dogs are unaccustomed to being up on the photo platform, so they may tighten up or they may hunch up. It's also a different position that you're in and the dog's in in relation to each other. The dog is higher up. And so you have to think about that. And where do I set his head? How do I get his neck set right? How do I get his ears up? Those sorts of things you should actually take into consideration and train for. You should know the image you want your dog to make. Have the image in your mind. Have practiced in a mirror so you know what that looks like. Practice at home. Put a box in front of your mirror so you know how to set that dog up and it knows to relax on a raised surface. Relax. That's another thing. I know you're all jacked up because you won and you're in a hurry and you don't want to hold the judge up and da da da. These days with COVID, a lot of times the judges are just taking ribbon pictures and the photographer is slotting them into your win photo. So you don't even have a judge. You just have to get your dog set up. So relax. It'll be okay. Okay. We're down to tip number nine. Judge changes, move ups, juniors with dog changes. All of this kind of stuff is a thing. If your dog finishes its championship on Friday, you should on Friday go to the superintendent's table, ask to move the dog to best of breed for the remainder of the days that you're entered. That way your dog is no longer in a position to earn points that another dog in the ring might need. This goes into sportsmanship. If your dog is the only thing holding a major, talk to the other exhibitors. Find out if they want you to keep the dog in there. This is particularly an issue in small, low-entry breeds, rare breeds, things like that. Have a conversation. But if you're going to move your dog up to best of breed, do it the day the dog finishes, so that then you don't have to be at the dog show half an hour before judging starts the next day. It's much easier on the superintendents. It's a much smoother process. Keep in mind that, again, particularly with COVID, there can be a lot of last-minute judge changes. If you have a judge change in your breed, you may cancel your entry. And if you do that, you will receive a refund. But you may not know that there's been a judge change until the morning of the dog show. So it's important when you are able to be at a dog show, if the dog show starts at 8, you need to be there by 7.30 to find out if there's been a judge change. And if you don't, then you don't get to cancel your entry. And you don't get to complain if your originally scheduled judging time at 10 a.m. is changed to 2 p.m. due to the judge change. So these are things to think about when you schedule your day and be aware of, look around, see if, you know, judges that are supposed to be on the panel have changed earlier in the week. All of these things are awareness and pay attention to. One of my very favorite sayings that has been attributed to many people over the years, piss poor planning leads to poor performance. And that remains true today. Also, 
piss poor planning on your part does not create an emergency on mine, another favorite of mine. Both of these are true. So plan ahead, be prepared, know what's going on. It'll make your life so much easier. Juniors can change dogs if their entered dog, their regular dog, is a bitch and has come in season. You may not show the bitch in season in junior showmanship. And so you can change dogs. That is also a judge change that needs to be taken care of in the morning of the dog show and will give you better if you do it the day before or the first day of the set of shows in which you're entered, if you are able to do that. If the bitch comes in season in the middle of the dog show, well, then you have to do what you have to do. Okay. Sportsmanship. Finally, number 10. Also covered in episode four. Just to add to what we talked about there, I'd like to note, congratulations. Thank you. Okay. These are not poisonous substances that will strike you dead on the spot. I see an awful lot of people that think they might be. In COVID times, you don't even have to shake hands. Understand that as much as you are 1,000% sure that your dog is better than the dog that won, that owner loves their dog too. Do not steal people's joy. Say congratulations. It won't kill you. Okay, our final installment in our tips is to think about some of the developments for the shows that are happening during COVID. Frequently, we covered a lot of this last week with Bill McFadden, who's been to a whole bunch of these dog shows, but typically there's going to be an indoor and an outdoor, if you will, right? An in gate and an out gate. Don't try and go out the indoor. This is to help keep our spacing and our six feet apart and all of these things. In many cases, armbands are not where you're accustomed to picking them up. Sometimes they're at the superintendent's table. Sometimes they're at a completely different table. But running up to your ring at the last minute looking for an armband is no longer probably going to work for you. So again, in the days of COVID, pay attention get there early, figure out what's going on so that you can be prepared and comfortable when it's time to go in the ring. Also, a number of events that I've been to, the judge is not even handing out the ribbons. The steward is handing out the ribbons or the ribbons are simply available for you to pick up on your way out the ring. So number one, pick up the right ribbon. (laughs) Number two, again, try to figure out what the show is doing, what their system is, before you actually have to manage it in the ring. So there you go, guys. 10 tips to make your dog show journey easier. I hope that these are going to be helpful for you. I hope that you enjoy your day at the dog show and come back next time. Y'all be good out there. We'll see you down the road. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. 
Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 